0: advocacy work and the medical community should focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion to ensure that all families have access to resources and support. Sadly, in 2024, this is still an uphill climb. Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Today, I am delighted to share Ashley Dedman with you. Trained research advocate, brilliant thought leader, author of The Big Discovery, and founder of the social platform Pink Legacy 5050. Join us today as we discuss resources and how this incredible leader is supporting the medical community by advocating for inclusive and culturally relevant resources for families facing cancer. This is Ashley.
1: Hello. My name is Ashley Dedman. I am a wife. I am a mom of two. I love Jesus. I am a member of the Peloton community and just a lover of life. My origin story is I had a mother who was diagnosed with stage four or metastatic breast cancer. I also have a father who is a prostate cancer survivor, so I served as a caregiver for two parents with cancer. I'm also a high-risk person with a BRCA2 gene mutation that makes me high-risk cancer, and have done preventative risk management options to reduce my risk of cancer. I'm a passionate advocate, speaker, author, and a thought leader committed to making a difference in the field of cancer and public health. How old were you when your mom got sick? When my mother was diagnosed, I was just entering into my senior year in high school. so I was 17 turning 18 years old, and we knew what breast cancer was because of family history, But this was the first time that this disease really hit our address, and everything began to look very different very fast. That is when my world changed.
0: Seventeen's a busy time for a teenager. It's a lot happening already outside of illness. It really is.
1: It's such a salient point in life where... You know, you're really trying to figure out who you are as a teenager transitioning into a young adult, going into your final year in high school where everything should be exciting and fun, preparing for your next chapter in your life. And for me, it was all of those things, but it was also a time for me to cherish the time that I had with my mother It was also a time where I grew up really quickly. I had to grow up quicker than I was expecting to. But when I look back on it, I am very honored and privileged to have been able to serve and be a caregiver for both my mother and my father. I really believe that their experiences really empowered me to be the advocate that I am today and to be able to advocate For others, and also to be able to encourage and empower other young individuals to advocate for their health and the health of their young ones as well. There's no age for being a caregiver. Being a caregiver can be at any age. Even our four legged friends are also caregivers for us. They provide us support as we go through the many walks of life and the many challenges of life. While I was young, it definitely was an experience that really helped to shape the person that I am today.
0: So, you talk about advocacy and you do some of the most beautiful work in this area of care. Do you want to share about some of your projects that you've been doing?
1: So, I have a platform that is called Pink Legacy 5050. I launched it in 2017. Pink Legacy is not a nonprofit, but it is a social breast health platform where my mission is to inform the community about breast cancer and family history, to engage with children, patients, caregivers, and the scientific and medical community and community-based organizations to address disparities and advance equity. And then finally, to amplify educational tools and resources from those community-based organizations, such as Wonders and Worries. This is my focus. This is my passion and just super excited to be able to do this work. A couple of projects that I do are through three pillars. It's being a speaker, being a trained research advocate and also a published children's author. I'm an experienced speaker in addressing public health disparities and promoting diversity, equity, inclusion, access, and belonging in the space of public health, and definitely double clicking in, in the cancer space. I enjoy speaking in the community to families and children and other medical and scientific professionals about the importance of not only a breast cancer diagnosis. But also being able to incorporate the components that make up the total patient, highlighting and amplifying the importance of when working with persons who have been diagnosed, also taking into account their family, their their social and emotional environment, their physical environment, any challenges or barriers that are a hindrance to access to care. As a trained scientific research advocate, I work closely with researchers and clinicians to ensure that cancer research is of the highest quality and addresses the needs and the priorities of patient care. As a published children's author, I share my journey of caring for two parents with cancer as a young teen and a young adult. In this space, I'm dedicated to serving and assisting families and children as they navigate the challenges through any type of important health conversation. As I look at evolving as a published children's author, I have really launched that into Pink Legacy Kids, where we focus on health conversations for my family, for my health. And so far, I have published one children's book entitled The Big Discovery. My second book that will be launched in May of this year are entitled The Big Family Trip. And that focuses on discussing the importance of family health history with your family members.
0: I was privileged enough to read The Big Discovery and I loved it. As a child life specialist, This is something that really touches my heart because we can see firsthand how much we use resources like bibliotherapy to help children understand concepts that many deem too heavy or too big for kids. But when given the opportunity to break it down or put it at a language that is at their level and complement it with these beautiful images that your book provides as well, just to help them understand and process, kids can get the information. They can be one step ahead. And I love that this platform allows for that level of advocacy.
1: Absolutely. It's so important that we create the resources and the opportunities for children to learn. At my former K through twelve health teacher and curriculum writer, when kids encounter new experiences, encounter new words, they encounter new information. It is done at a very delicate Appropriate level where they're able to take in the information and process it just as adults do. If we take information that we receive as adults and don't take the sensitivity and the fidelity to deliver it to our young learners in the way that they can, we've done them a disservice. It's unequitable. And we really set them up for having to process life changing information in an unequitable way. And so I think it's important that we. I create resources where we are being able to deliver this information in a childlike way and also in in a cadence in which they can actually take it in and process it.
0: I adore this book also because I feel like in terms of literature writing for children, especially on a medical-based level. So looking at, you know, diagnosis education or just introductions of this is cancer, this is heart disease. We have a book series that we've been launching through Wonders and Worries, and we've noticed the disparities that lie between having representations where the dad is ill, for for example. There's not a lot of books out there for kids where it's not about the mom. Also, the inability to show different family structures, people of color, people of different cultures. And I love that this book brings that in as well. That's what makes the content so rich because you're not only putting the words in, but you're also putting the representation, which is so important for some of our families that they don't see that in the literature that's available out there right now.
1: You're correct. You know, when you look at breast cancer, breast cancer affects persons from all walks of life, but we have to acknowledge the disparities that exist within different communities. According to research, Black women are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer We are more likely to be diagnosed with later stages and more aggressive forms of breast cancer at younger age compared to our white counterparts. And by creating a book that has African-American representation, and I really believe that this book is a universal book for all persons, my goal is to bridge the information gap and provide culturally relevant resources to empower families facing this diagnosis, I believe that by providing resources, in this case, tailored to Black families or any family, we can empower children, families, and communities to overcome this disease together. The Big Discovery serves as an educational tool to assist children and families navigating through a breast cancer diagnosis to foster a difficult conversation that a mother could have with her child or children to really help them understand the importance of early detection, genetic testing, diagnosis. In this book, in The Big Discovery, I was very intentional to introduce the treatment process, but really leave it open so that families can navigate their own options and make informed health decisions. I was very intentional in The Big Discovery to not diagnose the mother with a stage or subtype of breast cancer, but just to diagnose her in general with breast cancer. And that's because every woman is unique and different. Every breast cancer diagnosis is different. And as well, every treatment process and pathway is different. And I really also believe as a children's author, that is the parents and the family's space to then go deeper into the conversation and share the information that they want to share and deliver it in a way and in a cadence that they feel is appropriate for their family.
0: Which I think is so important. That That's what makes it such a great tool. Is it's not telling you this one child's story. I see it as opening a window. It's opening a window into a very important discussion. Our hope, selfishly, is that they are connected wherever they're at through an organization like Wonders and Worries. Or with one of our registered providers across the country. So that way they have somebody helping guide those conversations that specialize in age appropriate discussions of care and information. But if not, they can always call our helpline, a subtle plug for our helpline. They can always call that and we can help connect them to somebody in their communities because we do have that national reach now, which is so incredible and so helpful. When you're doing all of your advocacy, how do people connect with you to have you maybe be a speaker, like what types of groups or subgroups do you present to or visit with?
1: That's a great question. I really am very blessed to be able to diversify my speaking. And that's really coming from my experience. While I'm an adult now, I am able to really connect with parents to really help them understand possibly, because every child is unique and different. When you hear one one person's story, you've done just that. You've heard one person's story. So I definitely acknowledge that every person, every child is different, but really being able to help them understand what their child might be going through at that time. I've had families call me who have children who are a little bit older and were around that age to be able to mentor them and just to be able to have somebody to talk to. But it's also now knowing that there are great organizations out there that are doing the work. And I'm so excited to be able to connect with Wonder and Worries. I'm able to then share that information with families to be able to provide them with more evidence-based resource opportunities to help support them and their family. I'm also able to speak with as I shared earlier with the scientific and the medical community on the importance of when you are delivering this information to a person for the first time, also being mindful that they have to then go deliver this information to their children and to be able to provide them with resources to be able to do that. I think it's also important in the scientific community where I work with researchers, when we're talking about bringing scientific advancements from bench to bedside, to also be mindful of when we're focused on the needs of the patient, that their children are included in that, that their children are going to observe the changes that their different treatment may bring upon their bodies. And how do they explain that to their children? And so I'm able to take this experience having had two parents with cancer into really a cross-cutting of, of conversations. When I created The Big Discovery, it was important that I first shared this as a personal family story. This is what my family dynamic looks like. But as I continue to create the big series within the Pink Legacy children's series, it's really understanding and being intentional And having to learn outside of my norm, making sure that every book looks different and it has different representation for each family dynamic, whether it be older children, younger children. Um, There is one book that I'm working on, and it's more generational. So you see a grandparent and a parent and a grandchild. And so that's really my focus and my goal.
0: Gosh, that's so phenomenal. Now, because of your platform being virtual, too. Can you talk a little bit about your reach? So if there's somebody that is maybe listening in to our podcast that lives in a different state or further away from the Texas area, how would they be able to utilize resources that you have at Pink Legacy?
1: Great question. So the first thing would be going to my website, which is PL, and that is abbreviated for Pink Legacy, pl5050.com. So pinklegacy5050.com. You can also follow me on social media, on Instagram at PinkLegacy5050, and then also on X, where I do more posting to the medical and the scientific audience. Instagram is my main platform. And then I also have on my website additional information um, to connect with me directly. I'm always open to connect with persons and families, to learn, to be able to share, and to be able to to grow through this experience that we all have or will experience together. I really believe that there are a lot of great resources out there for those that have been diagnosed, as as it should be. I believe that there are great resources out there for caregivers. But I think it's important that we continue to grow our resources and grow our partnerships to be able to make sure that the entire family is covered. Because when one person in the family is diagnosed, it does impact the entire family. And so when we talk about diversity, inclusion, access and belonging, we have to think about the entire family that is impacted by this disease. When a person hears those words, you have cancer, that they're not leaving, lacking a resource or lacking a connection to be able to take home to their loved ones. Absolutely. In the work
0: you do, either through advocacy with research or writing these incredible books or you know, presenting to young people as an invited speaker, what challenges have you felt?
1: So I'll start with the book. So with the book, I, some of the challenges that I faced was finding the right illustrator for my book. Julie, really words matter and so does representation. So I was very intentional with this book and all of my books in the Pink Legacy Big Series to be able to find an illustrator that can capture Black characters in a way that we see ourselves. I wanted the reader to see Black characters, Black doctors, Black genetic counselors, Black patient navigators, because those are careers and opportunities that we are in and they are available for our children. And you never know if an experience with a parent with cancer, you never know how that experience will take a child into their career. And so it's really important how these career opportunities in this representation all plays a role in the continuum of care. I wanted to create a storyline where young readers could connect to Elise, who is the main character, and see themselves in her or as a child in general. Sharing about her characteristics and her activities and her love for her family, I think those are all things that our children possess. They all have different character styles. They're all equally gifted in different activities, in sports and arts and music, and the love for their family. I also wanted to be able to capture Elise's inquisitive nature and attention to detail within her family. And I'll kind of say this, her ability to feel the changes in her family when mother was diagnosed, that led to wonders and that led to worries within Elise. And as I shared earlier, I wanted to show the family unit, but I also know that every family can look different in its makeup and background. Particularly, the big discovery represents my personal story. So it represents a resemblance of my family, very intentional about making sure my my books are diverse within the family unit. I also wanted to use medically accurate, child centered terms within the big discovery. And so that was the challenge. I wanted to be intentional. When I introduced a new word, I made it in all caps. And then I immediately defined the word for the young reader so that they were able to understand the word and they were hearing. So mammogram, ultrasound, malignant. What, what are all of these words and what do they mean? Because they're new words. I also wanted to be able to capture medically accurate images as close as possible because when our children hear terms like mammogram, well, what is it? And so being able to show them when mom said she had a mammogram, this is an an image of, of what she received. When mom is saying that she had to get an MRI, well, first, what is that? And what does it look like? And so when we are trying to explain this information to our children, we have to equip them with as much information as we can. And I believe words and pictures matter. And finally, I wanted to create within the Big Discovery interactive resources for the entire family, having worksheets for the kids that the family could do together, having conversation starters having stories from women who have been diagnosed. I'm undiagnosed. So bringing in the stories of women who have been diagnosed and sharing with the reader how they told their children. And so my book has two audiences. It's the mother and the caregiver, and then also the child.
0: I think that was such a beautiful way to capture that.
1: Absolutely. And I know, I think you shared early, in in the book, Elise walks in on her mom Performing her monthly self-breast exam, and I wanted to be intentional because my kids walk in on me all the time, and I'm like, you know, our space we, we have guardrails, we have boundaries, and as when they're younger, it's like they violate them. They get older, they understand, you know, if I'm going in mom's room, let me knock on the door. But I have a toddler, and she just barges into my room, and and so I wanted to make sure that the story was realistic of how our lives are. Our children are amazing, but they invade our lives when they do come in and walk in on us. They see things that we have to be prepared to answer in that moment. In the story, it was a norm for Elise to see her mom do her self breast exam, but this time the countenance on mom's face is different, and Elise picked up on that. And she asked her mom, you know, and a mom knew then my child notices a difference. And I'm going to at some point have to share and validate what she observed and maybe concerns that she has that what she observed was correct. And I might not have the words right now, but I do want to take the time to get more information for myself so that then I can go back to my daughter.
0: Absolutely. Now, if people are looking for your book, how do they find it?
1: So they can go to my website, pl5050.com, and they can also go to amazon.com. And I have my first edition and my second edition, both on Amazon.
0: That's perfect. Do you locally ever do like book signings or has that part already passed for this book and maybe something to look forward to for The Big Trip when it's released in May?
1: So with the first edition of The Big Discovery, I did have a book signing. I have also gone into several elementary schools and middle schools to be able to do story time or to read this book, especially during the month of October. I have also done mother and daughter events at dancing schools and gymnastics schools, to be able to have conversations initially with mothers and daughters. But I think it's also important we have these conversations with all of our children. That was with the first edition. The second edition now that it was just launched in November, so it's being able to continue to get the word out about the big discovery and begin to be open to opportunities that may come my way to be able to share this information. And with big trip. I wanted to be really intentional to launch it in May because that's right before we go into the summer season and we go to family reunions to be able to normalize the conversations that while you are around family and you're traveling this summer, let's have those conversations and not just during the summer months, but year round. Now I'm working on the back end to make sure that I continue to expand the big discovery in different bookstores online and in person, as well as in other educational settings here within the Houston area, And I think, too, it's one of those things where you may not need the book. but Julie, we all know at some point in time, we're going to know someone who is going to need the big discovery and other resources like it. I've even had a lot of people who needed the book retrospectively, where somebody was diagnosed maybe a month ago, but they haven't told their children, or they told their children, and they don't know if they told them the right way. And so they've gone back and used the big discovery retrospectively to be able to then go back and have a more child centric conversation.
0: And we will make sure to link your website, your platforms, tag you on our social media so that people can find you easier as well.
1: When I look at the big discovery, it helps to start the conversation. But Julie, you and I both know it's not a one and done conversation. It's ongoing, it has to be delivered with delicacy and finesse. And the cadence is so important. And so I'm so grateful for my parents for sharing with me as much information as they did. It really helped me to keep my hope and my faith. But they also did a great job preparing me for the outcome that they knew that I did not know. I just appreciate them because they then helped and planted a seed to help me to become an adult who was able to advocate for herself. And now I'm passing that information generationally down to my babies.
0: (laughs) This is something that we hear all the time from families that we're connecting with through Wonders and Worries, that their biggest fear is that the information will rob their children of their childhood or take their hope away. And I love that while you didn't know at your age that her diagnosis or her prognosis was end of life care, I love that they continued to partner with you throughout the diagnosis. So as changes were made, there was that ongoing communication to say, this is what's going to be different now. So that when you did reach the space that was more end of life care, you were prepared for it and you were having that ongoing dialogue and you could see the changes and be able to see like, yes, this feels different than before. But you also had your hope the whole time. I think it's such a beautiful balance that they did to help you feel safe and supported.
1: Absolutely. I remember one particular time I was in college at this point. I would come home and spend time with my mom after chemo and my dad gave me $100. Why are you giving me money? He said, I want you to go to the to the uh, store and I want you to buy as many wedding magazines as you can. And I want you to spend time with mom this weekend, as I did every weekend. She said, but I want you to plan your wedding. And I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? He's like, she'll like it. You know, he's like, y'all just go and get magazines and sit in the bed and, you know, clip out pages. And so that's what I did. Went to the store, got about 15 wedding magazines, came home, and we sat in the bed literally from Friday to Sunday. And we watched TV and we ate and we went through the wedding magazines and we talked about color palettes and we talked about boys and We talked about what my husband was going to be like. And we talked about bridesmaids' dresses. Looking back on it, I know my mother cherished that memory with me. I know it was something that she was wanting to do, but she knew she would never get a chance to do. So I'm grateful for my father for creating that chance and creating that opportunity for her. And I'm also grateful because it helped me because when I did get married several years later, I had that shoebox, Julie, that I was able to go to and pull from. And as I was planning my wedding with my fiance, my husband now, I was able to take those memories and apply them into that special day so that when I did walk down the aisle that day, I knew my mother her ideas and her love was in the fabric of that day.
0: <laughs> that is such an important role that supporting caregivers can play for their their person who's ill, their special person, because I do believe that there are still ways to maintain hope, but still have these legacy opportunities, be it letter writing or family portraits or planning a wedding even if you're not focusing on the fact that they won't be here active way to just infuse that legacy, because you're right. That is what your father was intentionally doing was infusing that legacy for your mom. Yes, because it was a special thing for her, but also for you. He was thinking about that future you years later, we get so swept up in the treatment cycles and the I don't want to go there because then that's going to rob me of my hope. But putting that legacy and look at the beautiful gift that it allowed for later.
1: I really think it has helped me even now to carry that legacy, hence the platform Pink Legacy, because legacy is so important um, to carry that through my girls. And when we talk about legacy, Julie, it's the good and the bad. You know, it's talking to about, talking to my girls about how amazing their grandmother was, but also talking about family history and helping them understand, you know, she had metastatic breast cancer and she passed away from the, from complications from metastatic breast cancer. And those sometimes are the conversations we don't want to have, but they're so necessary. Knowing my mom as a educator, I always say that a mother would truly give her life for her children because had my mother not been diagnosed, had she not passed away, Julie, I would not know that I carried this mutation. It wouldn't have prompted me to advocate for my health. And my husband and my girls could have lived their life without me. And so when I think back on my mother and her legacy and being an educator, she made the sacrifice because we learned from her. And that learning will be passed on generationally to her grandbabies.
0: It's such a beautiful way of looking at it. And I love that concept of your daughters are their mother's daughter, their grandmother's daughter. Like there is that rich connection, even in ways that they've never known. It's just, you're right. What a beautiful
1: gift. it is. It truly is. It truly is. At the very end, the last sentence of the book is, I gave my mom a hug because I believe she needed it more than me. And I think a lot of times, again, I'm undiagnosed, but I am a mom. And sometimes we need our children's love and we just feel like the, the information that we're sharing is just going to crush their worlds. But we know that when we share this information and we come together to embrace that it it warms our heart, you know, it does us good. And we need those cuddles and hugs and and love from our babies too, because we just want to make sure they're all right. (laughs) Thank
0: you for tuning in to our podcast today. Please subscribe and continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For questions or specific content related requests, Please send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org.